What makes a song perfect? Does it get stuck in your head? Give you all the feels? Make you get up and dance? Is it just personal taste? Join us as we attempt to answer these questions and more. This is The Perfect Song. Welcome to the Gen Explainers Podcast, and today we are listening to a song by a band who is being inducted in the 2023 class of uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the band is Rage Against the Machine, and the song we're talking about is Killing in the Name, and this song was chosen sort of by, because of its cultural uh, impact, its sort of popularity, and sort of uh, cultural influence, and it is going to be presented by none other than Alan, so Alan, take it away. Hello. So uh, the background on the song, it was uh, released in 1992. It is written by all four members of the band Rage Against the Machine. Uh, and it um, was written, well, the music uh, originated from Tom Morello, the guitarist, was, uh, I think, teaching a student a different tuning, the drop D tuning, which I had never heard of. Um only later to discover that my son has actually already taught it to me. And, uh, <laughs> but he, he created this riff while he was trying to teach it and he recorded it. He's like, Oh, this is good. We should keep this for something. And that later became the song. The song itself is written in response to the 1992 L.A. riots, which I uh, was not a participant in, but I was living in L.A. at the time and uh, remember them pretty clearly. Remember, you know, in subsequent days, having to go to work with National Guardsmen with uh, M16s like on every corner <laughs> uh, and it, it, and essentially about. Uh, police brutality and about racism in the uh, police force. So it has um, had an incredible life on its own. Uh, it has earned a spot on Guitar World's list of the 100 greatest guitar solos at number 89. Mm -hmm. Rolling Stone has listed it as uh, 24th in its 100 greatest guitar songs of all time and 207th in its top 500 greatest songs of all time. And also number 38 in the, the 100 greatest heavy metal songs of all time list. Um, and you can't really talk about this song without talking about, you know, why it exists in the first place. So I'm going to try and separate the politics out from the song, although you actually can't. Um, okay. So I will uh, say that I am in full solidarity behind the, uh, the impetus, the, the theme of the song. Uh, it is what makes it so powerful. I think it's a very powerful song is that first of all, musically, it has this real kind of staccato kind of quality to it and jarring 
metal kind of sound. But also interesting, like when it starts off, it starts off a little bit quieter, a little sparser. It's, you got like, I don't know if it's a cowbell or, you know, this almost kind of like a jazz drum kind of feeling at the beginning. And the bass work is incredibly, um, I don't know, kind of like sinewy and uh, you know, funky. But a rip-roaring guitar work from Tom Morello and then... The vocals by uh, Zach De La Rocha, uh, he's almost like the perfect uh, sonic um, uh, interpreter of rage. Of course, that being fun, you know, I, because they are rage against the machine. <laughs> um, and it's lyrically so sparse in the sense that it's mostly the same line over and over. Like the first verse is just one line repeated over and over. The second verse is that same line repeated over and over. Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that bar crosses. Some of those that work forces draw the same that bar crosses. And it has this quality of being more like a chant, more like a um, like a protest chant. You know, some of those who work forces are the same that burn crosses. And later on, there's almost like a call and response. You know, so they do so you do what they tell you, like you're under control, and it's just back and forth and back and forth. And it is also, I think, the first time that I am aware of that a song that was popular, that was being played on the radio, uh, obviously a cleaned up version, but that it was had so much swearing in it. They like they used the F word 16 times. <laughs> and and towards the end, it's just screaming, you, I won't do what you tell me over and over and over. And uh, I played this song as I do for my children, uh, one of whom had actually already heard it before, but one who hadn't, and they loved it. And they, they were, they were definitely down. They didn't think it was too slow. Like they did with Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, that's the song. That's kind of my impressions of the song. Um, what do other people have to say? Well, the first time I heard the song, uh, I was in UC Santa Cruz. Um, and I was in the dorms and, uh, I had heard it, uh, through somebody, one of, one of the, uh, people who lived in the dorms charger and then charger, it was, <laughs> um, and, um, he and I found out that, uh, at the catalyst, a small club in downtown Santa Cruz, uh, they were having a show coming up, which was Rage Against the Machine opening up for Public Enemy. So we nice. ended up getting we ended up getting tickets to that and uh, going to the show. Of course you did. <laughs> of course, there's no way you cannot go to that show. <laughs> yeah, because um, I mean, first of all, it's like it's it's a it's a very tiny place. Like I think 1,200 people total. Um, and so uh, it was pretty amazing that um. First of all, we got tickets. And second of all, when we're waiting in line to get inside, there's this big glass window that goes by the dining area, which is not part of the concert venue, just connected to it. 
and Flavor Flav is just sitting in the in the dining room, looking at people walking in with these two ladies sitting next to him, <laughs> his big clock around his uh, neck and all that stuff. And <laughs> we we get inside, of course, and um, we wait around. We're it's standing room only, um, and then of course nobody had seen Rage live there. Like we'd only heard that one song on the radio, and when they came on, the place just was just full of energy um it was like pretty pretty amazing to watch this i i can't even tell you what the set list was now because i wasn't familiar with any of the songs except for the one hit (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it was pretty like amazing to watch this entire unfolding of this energy in this room especially with all the news that had been earlier that summer uh when the song first came out and and so on so on so on um, so that that's my big story with this song is that I heard it, you know, several times in the dorms and then saw them lie just a few months later, um, opening up for, again, one of one of those iconic uh, uh, politically uh, political groups, public enemy. Um, and so that was a pretty, pretty solid year of music for me. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't have quite quite as interesting of a story. Uh, I remember the album and the song came out and I went, yeah, okay, whatever. And I didn't really listen to it for years. Um, I didn't think it was bad, but I really just for some reason took no notice. Years later, and I mean like this past year is like the first time I said, well, I think probably I heard um, this song or something else. And and I went, oh, you know what? I really kind of enjoy that. And I never really gave it any time. So I went and listened to the album and I was like, "This, why, how did I miss this boat? This is very good." And I, yeah, kind of had like a uh, a nice a late summer romance. No, I, <laughs> I, I I discovered it a little later, and I really enjoy it. And I feel like their music is informed by both metal and punk, yeah, and maybe also because of the subject matter is so direct. That's the punk part, and the sort of and the production is definitely clean '90s production. Like, oh yeah. And like Al was talking about the way it sounds, very um, compressed and punchy guitar. Um, the dynamics of this song in particular being very, you know, stop, start, quiet, loud kind of thing, very much of the time. Um, but yeah, the general, and again, like when I listened to it for the podcast, I'd heard it many times before, but I never just sat and really, really listened to it. And I love the structure of the song, those dynamics. I love that the sound, the compressed sound I mentioned and the fact like like Alan was saying simple lyrics delivering like a powerful message in a powerful way the emotion is rising he's just screaming by the end um and I'll mention that awesome crazy guitar solo that sound there yeah. we, we it's just awesome yeah oh yeah yeah uh, I love it You you, meant, you mentioned metal and punk. I actually might add that it's influenced by a lot of funk too. Um, oh, sure, yeah, I, the bass, yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, I really think that that has a lot to do with their sound, and especially with this song. Um, and yeah, the the protest part of it, it's like it, it was interesting when I was at that show to watch people, the whole crowd, yelling the lyrics along with him, you know, and then uh-huh. they're and they're raising their arms and fists in the air while they're while he's doing it, and it was really pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, I would say that it's. Um... 
I mentioned before, it's like that chanting in Matt, you're referring to how it's uh, the, the last line basically, which is you, I won't do what you tell me is repeated starting soft and, and low and then growing and growing until he's screaming it at the end is so uh, powerful and such a pure expression of rage that it doesn't surprise me that it just grabs people and, and, and pulls them in, in an ironic twist of fate. Uh, this song was co-opted a lot in the last six years by the mm-hmm. MAGA right, which is probably diametrically opposed politically <laughs> to the actual politics of the song. But because it is such a distillation of rage, it's understandable. I mean, again, not, um, you know, I reject it. Any society or any government or any system that is set up solely to profit a wealthy class Uh, while the majority of the people toil and suffer and sell their labor power. Uh, uh, So long as that system's only true uh, motive is is profit interest and not the maintenance and and, uh, uh, embetterment of the population uh, to meeting human needs, then that society should not stand it should be challenged and questioned and overthrown. Right. Yeah. The intent and the reason that the song was written mm-hmm. is not, you just take what they're saying and, and, and you're able to apply it to whatever thing you're mad about, I guess. Um, I think I do remember past few years, four or five years ago, maybe a comment from one of the band members saying, um, actually, no, it wasn't that it was like people on comment sections kind of laughing about how, People are suddenly all mad when they learn the politics of Rage Against the Machine. It's like these guys, I'm a Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> and their whole lives, they thought it was like, yeah, like, like you were saying, like uh, some sort of right wing or anger thing. And then they, when they realize what they're about politically and what they're, they're like, oh, those guys suck now. You know, it's just like people are like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is what it is. You know, the, the music is what it is, regardless of where it comes from. And if you're in on what, you know, the reason for the song is and what it's really talking about so much, the better it enriches the song, I think, but yeah, it's funny. You know, people do things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, people, you're so crazy. People and you're doing things. Uh, one other, I think, interesting fact about this song is that in 2009, uh, so in the, in, in the UK, there is, you know, they have like the number one song in the UK, but they also have, and supposedly this is some big, de- I don't know how big of a deal it is, but it, they have the UK number one Christmas song. And it's just whatever song is number one, the week of Christmas, oh, that's but, right. it, <laughs> but it's apparently important to them or to someone anyway, uh, at least the people that put out the list. And for, I think four or five years in a row, it was whatever the song that was winning the X factor over there. And there was a couple, and I can't remember anything about them. uh, uh, They were trying to get a campaign going to make killing in the name, the number one song in 2000 and not the number one UK Christmas song instead (laughs) of an X factor song. And, uh, Rage Against the Machine heard about it. They kind of got behind it and, and and they wanted to do it to raise money for a, a good cause. Yeah. I can't remember what the cause is now, but 
uh, Rage Against the Machine heard about it. They backed it. They said, look, any money that we make from this song, from the sales of this song during this period of time, we will donate to a charity as well. And and I, uh, it, the mechanics of it are a little confusing to me. It was number one um, the week of Christmas, I think, although it wasn't number one at the end of the year. I don't know what the distinction is, but... Uh, that is a full, what, 17 years after its release that it became number one the week of Christmas in 2009, <laughs> uh, which is pretty uh, impressive. Yeah. And it also, as a result of that um, campaign, it became, let me see if I can find it right here. It was, I think it was the very first number one digital downloads. Like it was the top uh, first ever song to become number one purely on digital downloads rather than just, you know, mm. your physical media sales right? in the UK. Well, it is interesting because during that period of time, they, they replaced the cowbell at the beginning with sleigh bells. So uh-huh. <laughs> see how long have you been waiting for that one until you were done talking? Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt, you know, <clears throat> Thank you. He just had it ready. (laughs) What he's done with this story, baby. We hope you're enjoying this Gen Explainers podcast. Remember to find us and follow us on social media. Give us a like, a follow, or support us on Patreon. And we'd much appreciate a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get back to the show. All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to say about it before we go to the voting booth? (laughs) I I can't think of anything. So um, I'm introducing it. So I will go first. So I'm going to, so in my, my vote, I didn't introduce this, uh, but I, I could have, you know, this could have been, had I, had I actually done any work on my list, it might've been in there. Um, So uh, between the music, which I think is technically uh, fantastic uh, it's true that the production is very kind of nineties, but you know, it, in a way that's almost perfect, right? It, it's a song in response to an event that was seminal to the United States in the very early nineties, those LA riots, uh, and the treatment of, you know, Rodney King and, and the police getting off and, and all of the, I mean, you know, it's, it, the song has had a revival since the George Floyd murder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is, is still a phenomenon that exists and it's still a, a problem for our country. So in a way it's perfect that it, it has production values that are so timely. Wait, and, in, in, in 30 years, things haven't changed. Huh. Weird. Really? Huh. really? Like if we don't actually try and change things, they don't change. Okay. Huh. I tweeted well, some stuff about politics. <laughs> Should have changed it by now. Uh, we laugh at the sheeple, but we are the sheeple. Mm. <laughs> uh, and I, and again, as ridiculous as this is, it, there can't be a better advocate for how important and powerful this song is than the fact that it became a kind of anthem for people who were diametrically opposed to the politics of the actual song. So mm. I say it is a perfect song. All right. Um, I'll go next. That's all right. Yeah, it's um, your show. It's, it's our show. Come on. Um, I am going to say, well, I agree with everything Alan said. 
Um, it is a little bit dated because of the production, but that, but it's perfect. And actually, I, when I think of the band, I think of that kind of staccato, compressed, punchy sound. And I think it's perfect for them what they're what they're going for. Um, and like I said, initially, I didn't really pay much attention to Rage Against the Machine other than knowing knowing they existed and thinking they were pretty good, but didn't really. Um, so in yeah, in the recent times when I've gotten more into them and uh and this song particularly um i really really think it is a perfect song and i'll say it for all the reasons we talked about it's 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 completely and, and again it's one of these songs where sadly it's completely uh pertinent to today's situation yeah uh, and again because it's because it's simple because it's uh <laughs> you it's know pure. it's a pure expression of a feeling of rage of uh of an emotion and that again, can be applied to many different situations. Uh, but it was perfect for what they wanted to do, it, why they did it, and what they did it for. And it's uh, it's a great song, and I enjoy listening to it. And it is perfect. All right, Matt. Get your turkey gobble ready. What? Okay, hold on. Let me get it. <laughs> because I'm going to vote perfect song yeah, on this. Yeah, baby. So, uh yeah, I, I there's nothing I can add to what to what you guys already did say. Um, I I have nothing else to add to that. I, I agree with all of it. Um, I don't have a problem with the production necessarily. I mean, you, you didn't have a problem with it. I'm just uh, saying that I, I I feel like you know I just look at it. That's the time frame that was created in. That's the way it is. Yeah, it doesn't, um, sub, it and, doesn't uh, subtract from the quality of the song. No, no, and 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 I and I do feel that there are not that many songs that make me have a visceral feeling like this one does. And that's what I feel about this song. It just, it makes me feel immediately when I hear it. Um, and I think that that's actually a, a tribute to the song itself, that it can do something like that for somebody. I, I'm, I'm the, the, the turkey's there for you. Gobble, gobble. All right. Cue the turkey. <laughs> All right. Great. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, if you uh, have the ability to comment, like if you're watching us on YouTube, um, let us know what you think about this song and uh, what you. I don't. Not not politics though. We we don't want to talk about politics. Actually, we have to mention it because they're a political band. But yeah, it's a political song. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, take a listen, see what you think. Um, and again, they're being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. For 2023 so congratulations to them and uh i hope you all enjoyed listening and we will talk to you soon bye 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 thank you for listening to this gen explainers podcast follow us on instagram and friend us on facebook just search for gen explainers and find us on patreon where you can support the channel and gain access to extended cuts of the podcast as well as exclusive bonus content. See you next time.